2 Kings chapter 19. Bobby, I agree with you. Revival is not an option. It is a necessity. And I want to continue tonight in that same vein in 2 Kings chapter number 19. Begin reading in verse number 14. 2 Kings 19 verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. And any time you go into God's house, you're going up. And he went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God. Notice what it says, thou art the God. Thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down now thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thy eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands, and have cast their, notice little g, gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Come down, if you will, tonight to verse number 35. And it came to pass that night. And it came to pass that night. That night of darkness. That night of desperation. That night of despair. That night of trouble. That night when only God could do what needed to be done. It was that night that God came on the scene. And it may have been night, but God was still at work. It may have been at night, but God hadn't changed. It may have been at night, but God was still on the throne. And let me say about this night, what God did in that night, God can do in this night. I know it's bad, but we can have a that night. I know it's difficult, but we can have a that night. I know it looks like the devil's won, but he's a liar. And we can have again that night. I don't know what went on other nights, but I know what happened that night. I'm about to get hung up right there. And it came to pass that that night, the angel of the Lord, boy, I'm glad I know who that is, went out and smote the camp of the Assyrians, a hundred and four score and five thousand. And when they rose up early in the morning, behold, 
They were all dead corpses. Because that night God came on the scene and did for them what they could never do for themselves. Tonight I believe America can have revival. I believe tonight that the church again can have revival. I believe tonight that revival produces great music. I believe tonight that revival produces great preaching. I believe tonight that revival produces great shouting and rejoicing. But those things do not produce revival. They are a product of revival. According to the verses I brother preached from tonight, there's only one thing that really produces revival and that's somebody getting a hold of God so God can get a hold of us. I believe real intercessory prayer is what produces revival. Somebody sees the need. Somebody hears the call. And somebody responds with urgency and gets a hold of heaven and gets a hold of God and God intervenes, hallelujah, and does for us what we could never do for ourselves. I'm glad God is alive tonight. I'm glad God is able tonight. I'm glad God is awesome tonight. But I'm glad God is available and God is accessible. We have not a great high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I'm glad we can get a hold of God and God can get a hold of somebody because we went and got a hold of God. Mays Jackson preached for my dad. Every year, the second week in September, whether God was in it or not. And most of the time, God was in it. But I heard Brother Mays tell this story. He was preaching in Greensboro, North Carolina. And on the last night of that meeting, a lady came and said, Brother Mays, I have a son that is out in the world. He is on drugs. He's in and out of jail. He is far away from God. He has so worried me and burdened me that I can't touch heaven for my boy. I feel like I cannot pray enough to get my boy right with God. She said, Brother Mays, I need you to go home and touch heaven for my boy. Brother Mays said, I went back to that motel room that night he said, I didn't kneel by my bed. I, I didn't near, kneel by the chair in my room. He said, I got on my face on the floor and said, God, I've never heard that term before. I've never seen anybody that desperate for you before. But God, the best I know how, I wanna touch heaven for that lady's son. He said about four months later, he was preaching in Winston-Salem about 30 miles from there. And he said at the end of the service, standing in the line to shake his hand, was this lady. 
and standing beside her was a young man with a haircut, with a suit and a tie, big old Bible stuck under his arm. And she said, Brother Mays, this is my boy. God saved him. God called him to preach. And tonight that young man still pastors a Baptist church called somebody got a hold of God. And that's where God birthed the message that Brother Mays Jackson preached all over this country. Somebody touch heaven for me. Abraham touched heaven for his nephew Lot. Moses touched heaven for the nation of Israel. Paul and Silas touched heaven for that earthly church. And one day Jesus Christ, the divine mediator, touched heaven for you and I. And aren't you glad? Let somebody got a hold of God and God got a hold of you. I believe tonight that God still answers prayer and God still moves. Somebody go get the Lord. Somebody get a hold of God and let's see what God is able to do again. Three things in this passage about Hezekiah's prayer. Number one, I want you to see the burden of this man's prayer. Here is a man with a burden. Here is a man with a burning desire in his soul. He has gotten a letter. It was a letter that contained a threat from a very wicked man. And in that letter it says, we're coming after you. We're gonna destroy your kingdom. We're gonna destroy your nation. We're gonna destroy your family. We don't wanna coexist. We want total destruction. And most of all, that temple and that God and that religion you parade around, we're gonna destroy that too. And the thing that touched Hezekiah, he knew the man making this threat had the power and the reputation to back it up. For he says in that letter, hey, you look to the north, you look to the south, you look to the east, you look to the west. I've already done it to them little nations around you. I've destroyed them other nations. I've defeated those other nations. I've raped, robbed, and pillaged in those other nations. And I've destroyed their faith. And I've destroyed their religion. And I've destroyed their temples. And I've destroyed their gods. And what I've done to them, I'm gonna do to you. And Hezekiah knew this man meant every word. And he had the power and the reputation to back it up. Hezekiah doesn't need military intervention. He doesn't need religious intervention. He doesn't need political intervention. He needs for the sovereign God of heaven to roll up his sleeves and come on the scene and do what he cannot do. And may I say to the church tonight, there is a political system in this world. There's an environment in our nation that hates you. They hate your children. They hate the church. They hate 
hate religious liberties. They hate the family. They hate everything that you and I hold dear tonight. And don't you believe the lie. Don't you believe the bumper sticker on the backside of these weirdos that we want to coexist. They don't want to coexist. They want total destruction. They want the family destroyed, the nation destroyed, the economy destroyed. But their number one target is our faith and the church and our religious freedoms. But I want to serve notice on them tonight. They may get the economy. They may get the White House. They may get the Supreme Court. They may get Wall Street. They may get the stock market. They may destroy everything around us. But buddy, they didn't bit off more than they can chew because they'll never destroy God. They'll never destroy the church. They'll never destroy the word of God. They'll never destroy the truth. He is the indestructible, inconquerable, almighty, king of kings, and lord of lords. He got her under burden. He knew he needed God. He needed God. It's now or never. He's desperate. I want to echo a thousand times something you said a while ago. When that stuff first started, I was preaching in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It seems like everything bad that happens to me, I'm in Chattanooga. I get sick in Chattanooga. Almost got a divorce in Chattanooga. Just kidding. I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and my phone began to ring, and within an hour's time, eight weeks, eight weeks, a revivals were counseling. I called Brother Tom. I said, what we're gonna do? He said, you're the pastor. I said, you're the pastor. He said, no, you're the pastor. What are we gonna do? And boy, we begin to scale back. And I called my wife. I said, baby, what's happening? What's going on, honey? And now the prophetess begins to speak. Oh, she's not licensed. She's not ordained. But I got more confidence in her than most Baptist preachers I've ever man. I said, what's happening, baby? She said, honey, God is about to separate the wheat from the chaff. God's about to separate the men from the boys. You're going to see just how strong our church really is. You're going to see how strong religion is in America. And man, I sat there for eight weeks. I felt sorry for her. I really did. How would you like to be quarantined with me for eight solid weeks. Lord, we've never been together that much in the 37 years we've been married. Someone said, what's the secret to your and Mrs. Arthur's lengthy marriage? I ain't ever there. Say amen. I mean, brother, I, I sat there for eight weeks and Brother Johnson, I told my wife, I said, honey, I don't know when this thing's gonna end, but I bet when it ends, our churches will be filled, our, the altars will be filled, so when it'll be filled, it'll be a feverish pitch. She said, honey, don't you think about that. Don't even dream about that. She said it'd be cold. It'd be an indifference. She said the last days is upon us. I said, my Lord, baby, can't you be positive a little bit? She said, honey, God's shaking this thing. He's getting the irons and the wrinkles 
and the splotches out of his church. And you would think, you would think, you would think what we've gone through in almost two years in our country would break us and humble us and drive us to God. But yet our politicians still flaunt their fist in the face of God and disrespect God and, and don't honor God and pass laws that flies in the face of everything that God is against. We're desperate tonight. We're desperate tonight. It's not an option. It's not an elective. We gotta have him. We gotta have him. We gotta have him. But oh, I'm glad I want him tonight. I want him tonight. I'm a seeking him tonight. I'm thirsty for him tonight. I'm longing for him tonight. I've seen what man can do. I've seen what religion can do. I've seen what movements can do. But I want to see what God is able to do. And God is still on the throne. Woo! The burden of his prayer. But oh, I preached all night to get to this point. And I'm going to warn you up front. I felt a shout coming on. And I'm going to warn you up front. If you are a dignified Baptist and you have never shouted, it's going to take everything you got to keep you from throwing down on this one. If you are easily embarrassed, you might want to bow your head because I'm telling you, if you've ever been looking for a place to have you a spell in God, right here is the best place you're going to have whoop, in several days. I'm going to try to behave myself and retain my dignity while somebody important may be watching me. But I'm not going to make you no promises. If I feel what I think I'm about to feel, I may wind out in the parking lot. Hallelujah. Hold on to your seatbelt, baby. Major turbulence is up ahead. I want you to see not only the burden, but secondly, glory, I'm feeling it already. I want you to see the basis of his prayer. What did he base his prayer upon? Well, let me tell you what he didn't base his prayer upon. He did not base his prayer on his intellect, on his mental capacity. He did not base his prayer on the power of the parliament, on the power of the priesthood, on the power of politics. He did not base his prayer on his throne, on his riches, on his reputation, on his kingdom. No, he based his prayer on God and God alone. There's a phrase in verse number 15, hallelujah. That makes me get a little goggle-eyed. The Bible said he goes up to the house of the Lord and he stretches that letter out at the house of the Lord and he begins to pray. And here is where he hangs his hope. In verse 15, it said, O Lord God, which dwellest between the cherubims. You said, I ain't gonna make me shout. Hold on. 
We're just getting started. What in the world did he mean when he said thou that dwellest between the cherubims? Well, you gotta go with me. He is at the house of the Lord, which is the temple. He is on the outer court of the temple. But in the center of that temple is a place 15 by 15 called the Holy of Holies. In that little Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. On top of that Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat. On top of that mercy seat is the blood of the Lamb. And on top of the blood of that Lamb is the Shekinah manifested glory of God. Here's what he's saying, God, I wanna throw my hat. I wanna hang my hopes. I wanna pinch it all right here. God, here's the basis of my prayer. Not on my intellect, not on my throne, not on my talents, not on my abilities, but God, I'm a hanging the hope of my family and my future on your presence. God, I'm a hanging it on your presence. God, I'm a hanging it on your mercy. I'm a hanging it on your mercy. Oh God, I'm a hanging it on your blood. The blood of the lamb, the blood of the sacrifice. God save my family. God save my nation. Based on your presence, based on your mercy, based on your blood. But oh Lord, that glory that comes on top of that blood. God, here's the basis of my prayer. God's your presence. God's your mercy. God's your blood. God's your glory. He said, God, they ain't a problem in Israel. That's your presence and your mercy and your blood and your glory. There's not an enemy against Israel. That's your presence. That's your mercy. That's your blood. That's your glory. Can I say hallelujah tonight? There's not a sin. There's not an enemy. There's not a problem. There's not a need. Bigger than God's presence. Bigger than God's mercy. Bigger than God's blood and bigger than God's glory. You say, it ain't happened yet. Here we go. We're going further. Oh, isn't it amazing that Hezekiah could go to the house of the Lord and pray, Lord, over there in that room, Now, Lord, I'm a king, but I ain't a priest. I have authority, but I don't have access. But I've read about what's in there, and the high priest told me what's in there. And God, your presence is in there. (laughs) Your mercy is in there. Your blood is in there. Your glory is in there. God, this is as close as I can come. I'm bringing through that veil by faith. God, you're in that room. Your presence, I need you. Your mercy, I need you. Your blood, I need you. Your glory, I need you. Son, isn't it good that he could get that close? Isn't it awesome he could get that close? Isn't it awesome that he could go to the presence of God 
the mercy of God, the blood of God, and the glory of God. How many of you think that's really awesome? Now here's where you're gonna fall out. You ready? Anybody in this room tonight? Saved. Washed in the blood. Sealed by the Holy Ghost. Names written in the book. Heaven bound with the hammer down. You're better off than him. You're better off than him. You're in better shape than Hezekiah. You got it better than Hezekiah. You say you're crazy. You came to hear me. You say you're crazy. He's praying through that veil. You're crazy. He's praying through the presence of God, the mercy of God, the blood of God, the glory of God. Have I got it better than him? Well, remember, he's a king, but he ain't a priest. He has authority, but he doesn't have access. But my God Almighty, if you're in this room tonight and you're saved by the grace of God, you've been made a king and a priest. I can go in the throne. I can go in the presence. I can go in the mercy. I can go in the blood. I can go in the glory. The veil of the temple has been ridden twain. I'm not standing. Woo! On the outside looking in. I'm on the inside looking up. But Dr. Arthur, I hadn't had my spell yet. I ain't done. Someone said, oh my, oh my, oh my. Isn't it awesome? We may have some Yankees here tonight, and y'all love that word. Isn't it awesome? Isn't it awesome that Hezekiah could go too? Yeah, but it's more awesome we can go in. Hold on now, we're going further. And someone said, isn't it awesome that that building was so beautiful? that God could come in it. One more vote. Anybody here tonight? Saved? Know it? Glad about it? I'm talking about a Holy Ghost regenerated, washed in the blood of the Lamb, heaven bound with the hammer down. It gets better. How can it get better than God? Glory, mercy, and blood, and presence. Go in a building. I'll tell you how it gets better. That glory, and that mercy, and that presence, and that blood that went in that building. Praise God, when I got saved, it moved in here. It came in here. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Sakana glory lives in us. You say, I ain't had my spell yet. 
Well, I ain't got none of this to give you. I'm just telling you, I'm glad tonight the basis of our plea is the presence of God, the blood of God, the mercy of God, and the glory of God. Woo! His burden, the basis, and then last, but not least, the blessing. The blessing of his prayer. He hangs it all on God's presence. He hangs it all on God's mercy. He hangs it all on God's blood. And he hangs it all on God's glory. Then he goes home and goes to sleep. Because he didn't put it in God's hands. He ain't got to stay up all night. He's at the house. You say, did you count sheep? Nope, I talked to the shepherd. Why you gonna worry when it's in God's presence? When it's in God's mercy? When it's in God's blood? When it's in God's glory? And while he was home, I wanna say it one more time. While he was resting, while he was trusting, while he was anchored, Lord God, I feel like preaching tonight. While he was anchored on God's presence, on God's mercy, on God's blood, on God's glory, God stepped out of the glory world and divinely intervened and did for them what they could never do for themselves. Because that night, God came on the scene. Now here's a country phrase, because I'm a country boy. I got a hankering that if God can do it that night, whoop, God can do it this night. So I wonder how many people in this room tonight, my God, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a political system that's lost its ever loving mind, in the midst of Fauci, Bauchi, or Saucy, Osama, Obama, or your mama. I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight that'll reach up and say, God's your presence. God's your mercy. God's your blood. God's your glory. You've done it before. And I'm gonna trust and believe you'll do it again. And when God does it, he, and he alone will get all the praise and all of the glory because he's able to do what you and I cannot do.